0: This morning, I'm going to just read what God had me post this morning. This is what it says, and this is what I, I wrote from the Word. The Word of God teaches the believer what it means to be in Christ versus the self-life. God's order, and that's revealed in 1 Corinthians 1440, is so precise and clear and Nowhere do spiritual principles mean more than here when it comes to experiencing these foundational, positional truths to do away with and to keep out confusion. And that's brought out in 1 Corinthians 14.33. The believer's position in Christ, quotations, is brought out beautifully in the the epistle of Ephesians. So as we grow up into, quotations, Christ, Ephesians 4.15, our experience will be the equal of our position in Christ. We are to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in 2 Peter 3.18. The believer's true position and experience is, in quotations, not I, but Christ, in Galatians 2.20. In order, notice that word, in order. And how does God do all things in 1 Corinthians fourteen forty. In order for you and I to get beyond just knowing about the Lord Jesus and enter into a consistent and growing personal knowledge of and an intimate fellowship with him, we must all capitalize. First, come to know ourselves. Introspection is not, and that's all capitals, is not involved here. For God the Holy Spirit uses experiential revelation only. Remember how he went into revelation? And we'll be going back into that too. First, the believer learns, in quotations, not I. Then it's but Christ. First, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, Except it does, it abides alone. Then, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. In John 12, verse 24. I wonder what the Lordship's salvation is true and their thinking would think of these verses. A seed dies, out of it comes life with the fruit. Very interesting. First, it's always first. Always delivered unto death, then that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our, of course, these fleshly bodies in 2 Corinthians 4.11. In service, it is first death works in us. Boy, if we could only understand that one. If we're going to serve him properly, what's it going to be in first? What first must take place if he's going to be doing the doing in us, even in terms of service? It's death works in us. Then it's but life in you. And that's 2 Corinthians 4, 11, and 12. All resurrection life springs, or in other words, is issued out abundantly in John ten ten b It springs out of death or else it wouldn't be resurrection life. That's brought out clearly in Romans the 6th chapter in those first six verses. We, all of us, quotations, in Christ are to yield ourselves to God continually as those that are alive in Christ from the dead. And that's in Romans 6, verse 13. It is then that we experience the immutable, immovable, unchanging truth of our heavenly position in Christ. And let me tell you, that is, it's all ours. Every bit of it is all ours in Christ. But how do we experience it on a continual basis? Through death to self, continually. We're delivered unto death continually. When I was thinking about these verses this morning, I thought about the verses and we, we, we talked about them in Jeremiah 1.5 and Galatians 1.15. Paul said, you know, I was called by God when he separated me from my mother's womb. That's for all of us, our natural living place, okay? The, the point of that is that we were all, we all come out with natural life. We were born with natural life. What is natural life? That's Psalm 51 and verse five. This is the natural life that we were born with and that we still have in us in the flesh, but that we're not of in Romans 8, verse 9. But this is what it says here in Psalm 51, and this gives an incredible picture of it. This is why when we were born, you know, we came out with what kind of life? Natural life. Now, and with that life, look what it says in 51, verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. <laughs> okay? And in sin, <laughs> my mom had a sin nature, and I, coming out of her that was passed on, had a sin nature. And in sin, did my mom conceive me or even warn me and bring me forth? It's the best that we could do, Right? It's the best that she could do, was bring me forth. Now, in that, you look at Psalm 51 and verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge, when you bring out clearly what you are. Now, as much as we love little babies, and I do, I think they're adorable and they're cute, And and so forth. But here's what it says. It makes it crystal clear in the scriptures. In Psalm 58, verse three, it says, "The wicked are estranged from the womb." Isn't that interesting, huh? They go astray as soon as they be born. You know, that's every one of us in our natural life. As soon as they born, as soon as they come out, what do they do? They speak lies. Do you have to teach a baby to manipulate? Born that way, see? So that's what Paul was saying, and then, and he said, through salvation, in this sense, I was separated from my mother's womb. We're not <laughs> until we understand the truth about who we are in Christ. But first, we have to know who we are apart from him. The Bible makes it clear. Psalm 51, verse 4, Psalm 58, and verse 3. He teaches us the Word, the Holy Spirit through the Word, that in Jeremiah the 30th chapter and the 12th verse, that that wound, that sin nature we were born with is what? It's incurable. That's why it says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. What's that mean? Could God change me in my natural life? He couldn't do it, so what did he have to do? He crucified it. That's right. Galatians 2.20. I am. Did you hear that? I am. That's personal. No one else can do that for you. You cannot rely on another soul to do that for you. That has to be your own personal experience. We are not going to learn these things about the self-life and about who we are in Christ in easy, comfortable surroundings. They are not learned that way. They're not, okay? They are not learned that way. And that's why a lot of times we seek to escape those and get into a comfortable surrounding. And really that's just like going back again, going back into what kept us comfortable and we were comfortable and not knowing these things. Because maybe our source of comfort didn't have to do with the personal experience of who Christ was and is in me. It had to do with somebody else. That's the truth with any of us. Honestly, it is. It's the truth with any of us. These things are not learned in comfortable surroundings. Check your Bible. Read it. Read every single thing in the Bible. These things are not learned that way. They are not And without learning about... First, we need to learn our position in Christ. There's no question about it. But then what do we have to learn? You know, What do we have to learn? We have to learn what we're like in the self-life apart from Him. This is what this is all being brought out in teaching is revealing to us. There's no question about it. Now, we're going to get into what we're not in the near future. We are not... And God does not see us in the self-life once he's placed us in Christ. It's not that he doesn't see us sin. It's not that he didn't recognize or that he doesn't recognize that we have a past life in terms of guilt and failure and sin. Okay, Because he knows all things. He just doesn't view us that way. And he doesn't treat us that way. He treats us where? in Christ. That's why, again, you've heard this verse, and I have too, had it rehearsed through the Holy Spirit in Job 36, verse 7. God never removes his eye from the righteous, and Christ is our righteousness in 1 Corinthians 1.30. He never removes our eye. In other words, he ever and never treats us after that, ever. Okay? Did you ever think that God forgot you he's forgotten who we are when we function in the flesh. <laughs> he doesn't know us after it. He doesn't know us after the self-life. He just doesn't. And again, that's what we brought out. Even in in the type when in Matthew the 12th chapter 50th verse, Jesus separated himself. Okay? From all natural relationships. I don't care what they were. Okay? And natural means everything that we just that was brought out in the scriptures. Not that he didn't love them, okay? But he was saying, you and your natural don't know me, but I'm gonna tell you, even if you as a believer function in the natural, I don't know you that way. So that makes it imperative for us to know our position in Christ so that my experience will be the equal of that position of, of what? God's view of me, and that's a proper image. That is an absolute proper image. Now, when we get into where we are, this is what we are. We are in Christ. Now, when Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said to Peter, when when he asked those in, John, in, in Matthew 16, 15 to 18, when he asked those, who do men say that I am? And then said, some say you're Elijah. Some, some say you're, you're John the Baptist. You're, you're all these different... Once, But he asked them this question. Who do you say that I am? That is huge. Who do you say that I am? In other words, really, how do you know yourself? Do you know yourself based upon what someone else says? How they treat you? Or do you know me in the way that I know you? Because he told him, he said, Peter, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. What was he saying? This, nothing about the natural ever could tell you that. As much as we love each other in Christ, in a spiritual family, okay, I can't make these known to you. They can be taught, but then it's between you and the Lord. Only he can do that. And that's what it means in Ephesians Chapter 4 and verse 15. We, uh, we grow up into him by speaking. What? Where do we speak from? And our proper image, and what is that? Is completely loved by God. May, we may grow up into him and speak what? The things that come from what? Being loved and not from another place. So again, when it talks about that, just, just briefly, when we get into the book of Ephesians, okay, when we we when we are there, that's what Jesus was saying. He said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you. There's nothing about you in the way that God and me or the Holy Spirit know you after the natural. How do you know yourself? What are you comfortable around? Is your source of comfort? the experience of Christ in you, his person, and what he's accomplished on your behalf as an individual? Or do you seek comfort elsewhere? Is it, is it as a Christian, When the thing is, when we don't have a proper experience of our position in Christ, I'm telling you, honestly, we get into all kinds of activity. Doing things. And listen, there's nothing wrong with doing them as long as we're like Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, receiving the life in us that does the doing. Because if it's not, it's just the energy and activity of the flesh and the believer and not the life of Christ in a proper image and experience. It's just the way it is. So when I don't experience these things, okay, then everything in my Christian life becomes about me, myself. And I get busy with all kinds of energy and doing, but missing. You know what it's like? It's like... It's like Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 38 to 42. You see Martha in the kitchen, and what was she doing? She was busy serving Christ. From where? And as a result, she was irritated. She had the highs and the lows. That's the Christian experience, right? When we don't experience Christ. Up one minute, down the next. Up one minute, down the next. First it was great to be with this person. Now it's not. Then it was great to be in this particular place where God had me and was supplying my need. Now it's not. Up, down, all around. (laughs) Constant what? Change. But does he? Does that position in him change? Doesn't. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was in the kitchen serving, and she was irritated. Then she turned. And when we live in the irritation of the flesh with a lack of experience about truly who we are in Christ, we want others to get involved with what we're doing in our activity. Please be careful about the activity that someone gets you to be involved in. Please be careful about that. I need to be careful. So do you. Because, it, because you need to know the difference. And you won't personally if you don't experience Christ for yourself. That doesn't mean we won't judge another believer, even when they fail. That's Galatians 6, 1 through 4. And even when they do, there's forgiveness in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. There is. But there's, there's no judgment in us, but we need to have discernment. And you can't have discernment unless you're broken. And broken means your position, through death to self, is entered into your experience. Then it's Christ so that you're not busy getting involved in all these other things, you know. (laughs) Well, you know, and I used to hear this too. Well, you know, you don't serve. You know, excuse me. Be like Mary. Sit at Jesus' feet. Because that's where the life that serves come from. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. And when you don't have, and when I don't have that experience, we're going to get... The energy of the flesh takes over and we get real busy. Constant busy. Gotta constantly be busy. Why am I not resting? I don't have a proper experience. So I constantly need change. I constantly need a new thrill. Constantly. Constantly. But the fact is, that's what Jesus was saying. Peter, you know, you're not going to get to know these things in the self-life. You're not going to get to know them, and you're not going to get to know them by relying on the self-life of another believer. Furthermore, you can't make someone else's dependence on Christ to be yours. You can't. It's individual. You just can't do it. You and I individually have to grow up in him. That's why there's the separation from the natural. And until that happens, you know, as Christians, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be very busy. Very busy. Very, very busy. We're going to be looking beyond our present place. We're either going to be looking back or looking ahead and miss present, experiential, intimate fellowship with Christ. Well, what's the sense? What is it? There's no sense to it at all. Okay? There just isn't any sense into it. Uh, that involves it. But that's what Jesus said flesh and blood, Peter has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. And you know what he said? And upon this rock, notice that? Who's the rock? It's Christ himself. Upon this rock, what was he teaching? Upon these foundational truths that are in me, I will build my church. What is the church made up of? Individuals. It's very individual. This in Ephesians, when we get into the epistle of Ephesians, it's extremely individual. Because in those first three chapters, if it's not extremely intimate and personal based upon positional truth, we need to learn that so it comes into the experience. But as we grow in it as believers in 2 Peter 3.18, he must increase in John 3.30, but I have to constantly decrease. I don't like that. What, you don't like, you and I don't like the death of the self-life so that the life of Christ can be worked into me experientially? No, it's not comfortable. I'd rather be about doing things and be thrilled and be excited in doing things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just miss, miss everything. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Look, and the gates of hell, all the powers of hell won't come against you. But if you don't have that in you, you don't even know it positionally. But now it's not experiential through death being worked in you. You think the flesh in us, the self-life, likes to die? wants to escape and will do anything and have activity, fleshly energy and activity to escape. Okay, Every one of us in Romans 8 verse 9 have that the flesh in us but we're not of it but we can function in it okay and God wants to give us definition about every single thing we should do what we're involved in and who we're involved in while we do it It needs to be crystal clear for us so that we know the difference so we don't end up in the kitchen with Martha thrilled thinking she's doing all these things and yet missing the life in her that can only do it. And that's why Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, eventually, Martha did get right. You will see that. You will see it. By the time you get to to John, the 11th chapter, and the 12th chapter, you're going to get into those chapters, and you're going to see, finally, she made the adjustment. And, of course, we can't make adjustments without grace. But who does God give grace to? Those that he's humbled in James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 6. So this is truth. Now listen, this is just, again, foundational even, before we even really get into what it means to be in Christ and not in the flesh, (laughs) the self-life, right? And we're going to see that, uh, all of us together. But for you and I, the believer in Christ, guess what? Human thoughts are ever and always worthless, Is there any goodness outside of Christ? No, that's John 6, 63. It is the Spirit that imparts life. Listen to that. It's the Holy Spirit taking the things of Christ, showing them unto us. But can he show them unto us without experiential death to self? Nope. Won't happen. Won't be able to guide us into all truth. That's proper image, by the way, in Christ. Won't be able to. John 16, 13 and 14. Every human thought is worthless. Again, again, listen. This is what it says in Genesis 6, verse 5, and in Genesis 8, verse 21. When it says that the whole, it says the whole thought of man, natural, is only evil, what? Continually. In other words, it is not going to stop the flesh in us ever does not want to stop being active in its own energy, even in serving Christ. Sooner or later, though, you're going, to get, you're going to get worn out you're going to get irritated, and then you're going to have to find something else that's new, a new thrill, something that's going to meet the emotions and meet those thoughts that cause those bad emotions. So it's the next thrill. It's the next exciting thing. I constantly need change. Truth is, in Proverbs 24, 21, stop meddling. Listen, believers, even with each other, meddle not with them that are given to change. Stop mixing who you are in Christ with the self-life of another believer if it's not Christ. Don't mean you don't love them. But it's crystal clear. That word meddle in Proverbs 24, 21 means to be intermixed and, and intermixed and locked together. Okay? Truthfully. So again, the thought in Genesis 6, 5 and eight twenty one, the thought of fallen man in his natural, okay, it's not just the thought life is only evil continually. Listen to what it says. Even the designs and purposes are all evil continually. What are your plans? What are my plans? What do I do with my time? Is it my design? Is it my purpose? What is my purpose to be with others? What is that purpose? Why would we get together? What will we have in common? I'll tell you what we have in common. There's only two things we can have in common with each other. And boy, do we need to know the difference, all of us. The self-life or who we are in Christ. That's our commonality. All the troubles, all the struggles, where is that? It's in the self-life. Okay, it's just where it is, right? So, I may be lonely because I don't know what it's like to be more than a conqueror alone with Christ in my own individuality, so I have to escape and go with others. But what are you escaping in? What would I be escaping in? What would it be? It'd just be the self-life. Yeah. And now I'm going to use you to make me happy to meet my self-life, this thrill that I have. That's true with any of us. That's the potential that we have, So God couldn't change the natural in us, so what did he do in Romans 6, 1 through 6? What did he do? Crucified it. Now, death to the self-life is constantly being worked in us. Why? So that the life of Christ might be my experience. See how clear that is in the scriptures? You see how precise it is? Very precise in these things. So, again, for the believer in Christ, human thoughts, designs, and purposes, even the flesh and the believer is what? Worthless. <laughs> Where is all our worth located? It's in Christ. That's it. There's a treasure. Now, I can function in the fragile clay jar apart from the treasure that's in me. That means I don't experience it in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. That means now, with my empty vessel and my experience, i got to go get it filled. I'm going to be busy. You know, all kinds of Christian activity. Seriously, there's a ton even around here. A lot of activity. No experiential reality of who we are in Christ do any of us know it like we ought to? No. But boy, thank God, we can have a foundational start. That's the book of Ephesians. So again, look, the believer in Christ, their human, natural thoughts are ever and always worthless. God has has designed a specific plan in your individual life for his purposes in Christ for you. You don't need another to define it for you. You don't. And I don't. I don't and I won't as I learn to grow. So again, they're always worthless. But what is it that we have? We have God's divine record. That's what we have. We have his word, and that word is clothed <clears throat> by the Spirit with self-evidencing light. What does that mean? It's the Holy Spirit who takes the things of Christ, in my experience, and lights it up, begins to light it up. That's what it means. That's what Jesus was saying in John eight twelve. I am the light of the world. He that walks after me will not walk in darkness, self-life, but will have the light of life, the light of life. Again, it's crystal clear all the way through the Bible. That's why in Ephesians 5.8 and in 1 Thessalonians 5.5, we are children of the light. That's our position. Is it my experience or is something dark in me? Is there darkness or lack of... understanding and confusion that's the self life that's where we need to be taught and that's Hebrews 4:12 the word is living and powerful and sharper than the two of its, its sword what piercing even to what the dividing the separation of the soul self life from who we are in Christ position yes experience that's the word in Hebrews 4:12 that's what God's doing with all of us with these morning times and why they're so valuable and, and so, so uh, beautiful. But it's self-evidencing light and power. That's the word. For all who have their hearts opened to the Lord. Notice that? To who? I want to open up all my problems. I want to open up everything. Huh? Instead of being busy with letting others know what's going on in a particular place and what's not, How about being filled with Christ and making that your occupation? Because that just might be the most important thing in your life and in mine. How about that? How about that? Isn't that amazing to be able to have that? So if there's power, there is. There's self-evidencing light. There is. And power for all who have their hearts open to the Lord. To who? To the Lord. And what? And are self-judged in his sight. What does the light do? Comes in and says, see this self-light? It's over. See it? It's not who you are. You're functioning in it, but that's not the truth about who you are in your proper image. Someone else wants you to join him in that? What should you do? In love. In love. Judge him? No. Have discernment? Yes. You know what discernment comes from? Brokenness. You know what the brokenness is? It's the will finally unsubmitted to the self-life, and now it's submitted to Christ. But there has to be a breaking. That's the word in Hebrews 4.12 that comes in. That's why in the midst of spiritual warfare, we we are to have the sword of the Spirit. In Ephesians 6, verse 17, separating constantly, 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 experiential death. So the heart there, remember, when it talks about the heart, this is what Jesus said, okay? And the heart, look what it says, because we know what the heart is, don't we, truly, right? Is it this? It does this. Physical organ make all decisions for us. (laughs) No, it's right here. This is the problem or it can be the beautiful manifestation. <laughs> it can be dark, or I can be lit up. Read Psalm 34, verse 5. Beautiful, beautiful. Matter of fact, let me just read that quick as we begin to wrap this up already. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Why? Because he's already glorified Christ and I'm glorified in him in Colossians 1.27. I will bless the Lord whenever I feel like it. Self-life, no. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, whose praise? Isn't that experiential, intimate fellowship with Christ? Yes, for all of us. His praise will continually be in my mouth. You want to give someone a report? You want to tell them what's going on? Hmm? You want to tell them all the bad things that you feel, how uncomfortable you are, or do you want to, Or should this be in your mouth in communication? You know what it says in Ephesians four twenty nine. It says, "Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister." grace. May minister the grace and truth in John 1, 14, that Christ is in you. And grieve, stop grieving the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Living in the self-life. Energy of the self-life. That's how we do it. Notice I said we. We're all growing. Okay? My soul, my self-conscious self, my soul will make her boast in my soul, my self-life, no, look what it says. In, oh boy, in. We're going to get right back to Ephesians. In the Lord. The humble will what? Hear. Do you know what hear, here? It doesn't mean just hear it. It means instantly obey it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? The humble will hear and be what? Glad. But if I'm not humble and I'm not glad and I'm not satisfied in resting in the love that Christ is in me experientially, I need a thrill. I got to get busy. I can't stay with these thoughts. All these bad thoughts about who I am and how bad my circumstances and situations are. I got to escape. I got to get away. (laughs) Oh, boy. I know, but guess what? You know what you're taking with you if it's not dealt with? That's self-life. You can do anything you want. Go anywhere you want. Read Job, the 28th chapter. Brings it out clearly. Oh, magnify my troubles. Let me get your ear, other Christian, other loved one. Let me magnify what I don't like. (laughs) about God's plan where he's put me. And let me tell you about the ways, and hopefully you can tell me, how I can escape. (laughs) Oh boy. No, oh magnify the Lord. And if he's not magnified in your personal experience, what are you magnifying? The self-life. Oh magnify the Lord with me, then let us exalt his name together. That's fellowship because it's Christ individually in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. No wonder they want to have it in verse 4. Based upon the rest of that chapter, follow it through in its context. Look at what it says. I sought others to help me. That's verse verse 4 of Psalm 37. Listen, 34 verse, verse 4. It says, I sought others to help me. I sought up, no, I sought the Lord, I sought the Lord, and he heard, guess what, me, if you lack wisdom, let you, uh, who should you ask, you're grown up, who should you ask, in James 1:5. ask the Lord wisdom, but if you don't know who wisdom is in your experience, Christ, and you haven't been taught the very basic foundational truths, you need a thrill, You need somebody else, and so would I. I sought the Lord and He heard who? Me. And what? And all those others helped deliver me from all my fears. No. He delivered me from all my fears. How? Through the experience of how much He loves me based upon the position of what He accomplished for me in Christ. Now, look what it says. They looked unto others. No, it doesn't say that. They ran to others. They went back, they went forward, but they didn't have any present peace. No, look what it says. Look what it says. They looked unto him. Nobody can do that for you because only Christ did for you personally what he accomplished. He did it for you personally. And if it's not personal and you go, do you have fellowship? You just don't. I don't. And I'm learning these things with you in my growth, by the way. Continual growth. Because we're all his children. First John 2, 12 to 4 to 13 and to 14. We're all his children. Babes, young men, spiritual fathers. They looked unto him and were lit up. You know what the Hebrew, I love the Hebrew when I studied this. It says they sparkled. Whoa, that could be all alone, because that's when God does the most. When we stop escaping, because we're lonely in the self-life, and we've got to have others. No, this is created when we are alone. Those are the tough times. Those are the hard times. And those are the times where the flesh and the self-life wants to escape. You can hear natural family. Hey, 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 hello, hello, I miss you, I miss you. You need to do this then, you need to do this. Who's your head? Who's my head? Who died for me? Who is my eternal life in me? did all of that for me. Oh boy, I'm going to wrap it up here very soon. They looked unto him and boy they were lit up. Their position became extremely experiential and they were lit up with the fact that in him, his love for them, individually, experientially, intimately, they were more than conquerors. Romans 8:37. They knew he was, not, he was not against them but for them. In Romans 8, verse 31. And being for them, no matter where they are, what could be against them? What would they try to escape from? What did they need to change? What, what, what will you exchange? Exchange a proper experience in Christ for the self life, not only of me, but of others, their plans, their designs, their purposes. You know what our purpose is in Romans eight twenty eight? It's to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what the self-life tries to escape from. That's right. Listen, we all have that in us. There's areas of my life where things I have to deal with. This morning, it was deal with this. I said, absolutely, Lord, yes. Absolutely, yes. Boom. Yes and thank you. They looked unto him, and were lit up, and their faces were not, what? Ashamed. Where does the shame reside in the believer? The self-life, the flesh. I can't handle the shame, so I need need to do something about it. And you think a thrill's going to change that. Emotional thrill. No, you're going up. Woo, and pretty soon, down you're going to (laughs) go. The down part is where we end up in Romans, the 7th chapter. We've said before, and as God has taught us, we don't get <laughs> to chapter 8. No no condemnation, no separation, eight, one to 39, until we get into 7. If you want to go forward, you have to go down. But you can try and escape the down, the hard times, the learning thing, learning about what the self-like is. self-life is, apart from Christ. You can learn, that, or you can escape it. And the enemy has it set for you. He has it set for you to escape. Because boy, does he hate Christ in you and hate you in Christ. Don't let out someone else's self-life become your authority to meet a thrill that you want to have met or I want to have met in my self-life. They looked unto him, were lit up, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. What's a poor man? I don't have anything in me that's of worth at all, my thoughts apart from him. Genesis 6, 5, 8, 31 of Genesis, Jeremiah 30, verse 12, Jeremiah chapter, uh, chapter 17, verse 9, read these verses, Isaiah 1, 5, and 6, they are worthless. Because all our worth is in Christ. He crucified the worthless me. (laughs) And all those thoughts and guilt and shame are already crucified. But he's got to work that into my experience through constantly bringing us to spiritual the reality of we're spiritually dead in this area. And it's growth, by the way. It's growth. This poor man, bankrupt in himself, cried and guess what? And that's the place where God has to lead us. Poor. What's that mean? I'm helpless and hopeless in my self-life, and yet I want to go and think I can have fellowship with someone else based upon that. Is what I'm doing, is what I am involved in, is it fellowship around Christ? If it is, you're going you're gonna to rest and have joy. If not, you won't have experiential peace. I won't. This poor man cried, came to the end of himself, and the Lord heard. You know what that is? That's Romans 7. And we will close with it. Listen, this poor man cried and delivered him out of what? Some of his troubles. No, all of them. Who did that? Somebody else help me? Come on. No, he did. Here is, and finally not even quarter of yet, here is Romans chapter 7. Listen to it, and and then you can read those 25 verses and then just go right into the 8th chapter of Romans, right? But before you get there, you have to experience Romans 7. Here's Romans 7. I'm just going to read it, and you can listen to it with me and let God speak to us. Romans 7, verse 1. Know you not who, brethren, all those that are in Christ, I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. How can the law have dominion over us? Self-life. So I, now i gotta, I got to do things because I stopped receiving the reality of who I am experientially in Christ. So what do I have to do? Look what it says. For the woman, now he's going to go into the types of Agar and Sarah, right? All through Genesis. For the woman which has a husband is bound by by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. Who's our true husband? Is it the flesh anymore? Verse 3. So then, if while her husband lives... She's married to another man. She's called an adulteress. Well, go out on Christ your head, your true image. Who are you going to go out with? Self-life. And now I'm going to have others, Christians, but in the self-life, join me. And we're going to have fellowship? Hmm. Don't think so. Don't think so, right? Adulterous. Do you know what it says in James the 4th chapter. Look what it says in James the 4th chapter, verse 1. From where comes wars and fightings, all these struggles and everything that that happen in the believer's life? Where do they all come from? Where do wars and fightings come among you? Now, if they're not dealt with us individually, how about in our personal relationships with those that are closest to us? You think there might be some wars and some fightings going on that's the self life right come they not even of your lust you want to blame the other no oh, those passions in the self life right that war in your members and when they're not dealt with i bring them out to you and if they're not dealt with in you i bring you bring them out to me uh oh <laughs> you lust yeah your whole thought Your whole purpose, all your designs, are about you and the self-life. You lust and have not. Why? Because lust is insatiable, never satisfies. You kill, you murder. We talked about that the other day. Matthew, the fifth chapter, 21 to 29. You lust and, and you murder and desire. Notice that? Desire. Are they godly desires in Psalm 37, 4? And desire to have and cannot obtain. No matter what I go after, it doesn't fill me. Cannot obtain. You fight in war. You have not because you ask not. Because you're not yet dead. You're not yet dead and helpless and hopeless in your self-life. You don't need to ask. You're too busy, and I would be too busy in the self-life. You ask and receive not. Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust, those passions in the self-life. You adulterers and adulteresses. You know what it says in the original? It's not adulterers at all. It says you're adulteresses. You go out on your husband, Christ. You go out on him in your flesh. And who's going to be the daddy there? Not going to be Christ. And if you and I just think it's the flesh and the lust, it's not. It's the enemy. That's right. He daddies, he wants the daddy the experience because he can't touch the position. That's why it's so key. You adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world, those things that are in the world, 1 John two fifteen. what are you occupied with? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Oh no, it's okay for the things in the world. Really? The things of the world, huh? Really? It's okay? Hmm? And you want to invite others with that? Thank you. No thanks. (laughs) Right? No thank you. You adulteresses know you're not that the friendship of the world is enmity, strong, settled feelings of hatred towards God in the flesh life, the self-life in Romans 8, 7. Whosoever, it's enmity with God. Whosoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Right? So Romans 7, Right? So then, if while her husband, in verse 3, lives, she be married to another man, she'll be called an adulteress. Right? Because we're the bride, aren't we? That's right. Who's, Who's the head? Christ. The initiator. If I'm not being initiated to properly in my experience, who's initiating to me? The enemy wants to initiate those lust patterns in the believer so that he can be the daddy of them. Experience, but not Position. Okay, but if her husband be dead, she's free from the law. Yay, that old guy's dead. I got a new one. I have a new one, and so do you. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Yay, that's Christ. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. I want to stay married to somebody else. No. God does not want to share his Christ with anyone but you. And he doesn't want to share you with anyone but him. That's what it means to grow up in him in Ephesians 4 and verse 15. right? So that you should be raised from the dead, self-life, experientially, and bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, those passions, those motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. This was a Christian in the self-life. Forty times, I, me, myself. Imagine what some some think that, yeah, I need this person. Yeah, we have these conversations. Well, how are you? it's I, me, and my about this? Yeah, how about you? it's I, me, and my about this? Is that fellowship? No. Do what my wife says when I speak too long. Cut it off. It's useless. Truthfully, it's worthless. It is. Is it fellowship around Christ? Or is it something natural that you're so comfortable with that there's no growth experientially? Wow. (laughs) For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, what's the law? The Ten Commandments? No. No, that's not the law. Here's the law. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's the law that we've been set free from. But no, you keep you, keep you alive and you, I'll keep me alive and me, and we'll have fellowship. No, you won't. And no, I won't either. You need to be very careful about who we give our time to, how much time we actually spend versus knowing and experiencing who we are in Christ versus hours of other occupation what dominates my own personal fellowship with Christ versus jibber-jabbering about all kinds of other things. I'm talking about me with people that, that call me and, they, and all they want to do is express all their problems. And they want me to listen, and seriously. And honestly, people that I love, I've cut off, not because I don't love them, but because if I continue that, I stop God from bringing them to the point of helplessness and hopelessness in themselves. Instead of being them distracting me from my own personal fellowship. If someone really wants to be entreatable and have truth, different story. But that still is Christ and that's fellowship, an exchange of teaching, if not receiving and giving. But now, when? This is, this is Romans 7 verse 6. But What's that do? Separates us from all the self-life. But now we are delivered from the law. What law? The law of sin and death, separation from Christ. What? Through the self-life? No. That death being worked into the self-life so that that the life of Christ can be made manifest in us individually. Then, when that happens, we have fellowship when we come together. Otherwise, it's just activity and energy of the self-life. It's not fellowship. I'm going to make that crystal clear. Now, here's what it says. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead therein, we, wherein we were held, that we should serve the newness of the Spirit. Where it served is worship. I don't know. To, you, want to, you want to worship me as a Christian? You want to worship my self-life? And I want to get together and worship yours? and we'll call it fellowship. I don't think so. This is pretty precise, isn't it? I'll be the first one. Yep. We should serve, worship, in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter that brings out the flesh. Right? What will we say then? Is the law sin? No, God forbid, no. I had not known sin, but by the law. What? (laughs) What? What good is the law if it doesn't show me who I am and what I can't do? That's what it's teaching. Okay, He didn't give us the law for us to make ourselves righteous. Some think that way, by the way. You know, three steps, seven steps, 12 steps in Christianity. They got it all figured out. Nobody's got it figured out. We're going to grow in reality until we see him face to face. We don't know anything as we ought to in 1 Corinthians 8. But if we do, thank God for verse 3 of Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 3. So, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, stop doing that. How about legalistic teaching? Legalistic teaching. Stop doing it. Don't give you an object. Don't give you any reality. Stop doing it. I had not known lust, except the law said, stop doing it. Stop coveting. Because what do we do in the flesh? can't get enough I can't get enough attention because I don't know who I am in Christ I need you to tell me you know but maybe you're not even telling me because you don't know right but sin taking occasion by the commandment work in me all manner of concupiscence all manner of lusts and all kinds of things right for without the law sin was dead but I was alive without the law once. I didn't realize. I, didn't, I just, everything about me was a self life. I didn't have any teaching. I didn't know. <laughs> this is the normal Christian life fail, get right, fail, get right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fellowship. <whistles> Haven't even got foundational truth in Christ yet. Uh oh. But sin, taking com- occasion by the commandment, brought in me all this not good stuff. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Oh, boy. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Would the enemy use that? Who does he deceive? All those that function under him in Revelations 12, verse 9. And when he can get the believer to function under him in the self-life, what does he do? He accuses them in Revelations 12, 10. Right? So we have to stop there because it's time. We have to stop there. But we will continue tomorrow morning and tomorrow night, I believe, as God would lead. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for who we are in Christ. We are nothing of the old. Thank you, Lord. We can cast down those lying imaginations and those thought forces that seek and lie to become a function in who we are. But thank you, Lord. It's not who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.